Welcome everyone. Uh, this is Matt Weinfield and I'm proud to announce that we are about to begin our ninth Brownfield Brain Trust podcast, which is brought to you by Weinfield and Associates. I'm Matt Weinfield and I regularly lead discussions with industry experts in contaminated property investments, remediation efforts, regulatory compliance issues, and much more. Today, we're fortunate to have esteemed environmental attorney, John Van Vleer, who will help us understand how California regulators are changing the way they manage remediation projects and changing the way uh, the Department of Toxic Substances Control and the regional boards interact with the local program oversight folks. Now, John is a partner at Newmeyer and Dillon of Newport Beach. Welcome, John, and we'd be delighted to learn more about your firm and your practice. Thanks, Matt. Uh, I'm a senior partner with Newmeyer and Dillon, a 70-lawyer law firm based in Newport Beach, where I'm at. We have smaller offices in Walnut Creek and Las Vegas. While we have many practice areas, uh, I'm one of the core partners in our GLU group, Government, Land Use, and Environmental. My personal- Ooh, That's very charming. <laughs> there you go. We stick together. <laughs> My personal practice has been handling contaminated sites for 30 years. About half is litigation, including very large groundwater uh, and similar cases, like the 14-year Orange County Water District case, where we just finished a year-long trial in May. The other half is handling impacted sites in non-litigation ways, cleanups, property transactions, etc. My clients range from corporations of all sizes to individuals and trusts and everything in between. I've handled sites across the country, but the bulk have been throughout California. In this capacity, I deal with a lot of environmental agencies, local, regional, state, and federal, and have personal contacts at most. Well, that's that's actually, I didn't realize your uh, background was so broad and the water litigation that you discuss, uh, discuss is quite famous. I don't think we need you to go into detail on that, but congratulations on uh, finishing that very important project to uh, water purveyors and uh, Orange County. Um, before we dive into AB 304, could you tell our listeners what you did in preparation for this podcast? Because it's new. Many people don't know much about it yet. It's extremely important. So what, what, how have you conducted research? Yeah, wanting to ensure I understood how AB 304 is unfolding from various perspectives. I reached out to a variety of in-the-trunch consultants, as well as speaking with significant players at several local environmental oversight agencies and then at the California state agencies, like the Department of Toxic Substances Control, DTSC, mm -hmm. its sister agency, the Regional Water Quality Control Board, Regional Board or RWQCB, and even at the state water board, which sits above the nine regional boards. I thought it was important to provide your listeners with a range of firsthand experiences and research observations and opinions on this important new law. And just to be clear, the state board doesn't oversee what DTSC does, correct? 
Correct. Separate sister agencies. The state board sits on top of the nine regional boards. And DTSC and the state board all report under the umbrella of California EPA, correct? Correct. And Cal EPA is a um, is an umbrella which does no actual work. Oh, okay. So uh, does no actual work. What do you mean by that? I'm, I'm sorry. M- meaning they're an administrative agency, but they have no actual projects or sites that they oversee. Oh, okay. Thank you for clarifying. And so what is this strange and new and uh, how shall we say impactful AB 304? Yeah, AB 304 is a new state law which took effect in January, and it forces locals to self-certify as qualified to act as environmental oversight agencies to provide more public access and to involve state agencies more directly at various stages of investigation, remediation, and closure of sites. Let me break down a few of the components. First, local agencies must self-certify that they can handle site mitigation oversight. Uh, They must provide state agencies with a summary of their qualifications, resources, et cetera. Um, I want to note that the state agencies are finding this valuable since they often don't have any idea who's making local decisions or if they're qualified. In fact, this process is allowing the state to see what agencies are actually overseeing things because presently they don't really know all the locals that are doing such work. To help the locals, they've actually got um, a a handy reference guide that's available uh, on DTSC's webpage to help the locals. And you say the locals, do you mean the certified unified program agencies? Are they still called that? No, they're not. I, I mean, oh. with, with, when I refer to locals, right. I'm referring just to um, any local agency which is acting as a site mitigation oversight agency. Okay. And currently, as of June 22nd, there are only 11 that have uh, of the locals that have self-certified. They're all counties. They are Alameda, Los mm-hmm. Angeles, which is actually Richard Clark's group, which is a fire department. Mm-hmm. And the counties of Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino, San Diego, San Joaquin, San Mateo, Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. Santa Clara, and Santa Cruz. That's it. So if here in Long Beach, where I live and work, if I want to buy a former gas station, and I go to the Long Beach Health Department, they haven't been certified. That's correct. That's correct. But those, 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 11 counties that I just listed, including the, the county fire department in Los Angeles, those probably account for you know maybe 90% of the bulk of uh, site mitigation going on in California by local agencies. Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you. All right. Second, the local agencies must maintain their records on GeotrackerNet, mm-hmm. which is the public website run by the state board. <laughs> this has caused some initial Uh, problems. For example, counties have uploaded and created two web pages for various properties when the state was dealing with some aspects like groundwater. But theoretically, that's a a growing pain that should dissipate um, hopefully by year end. Mm -hmm. Third, the local agencies can only provide oversight after they've entered into a written remedial action agreement, RAA, 
with a responsible party. The key to this requirement is that the local agencies must provide the state with a notice of intent to enter into a remedial action agreement. This allows the state to take control if they want. There are similar provisions in other environmental statutes. Fourth, at least 30 days before certifying closure, the local agency must notify the state agencies. And then interestingly, other local agencies with the authority to issue building permits for the site. Okay, those are often cities. Uh, they must notify owners and occupants of the site, and they must notify adjacent properties. Mm. This last one on the list provides a new avenue for uh, neighbors to jump in. Will they? Not sure. We haven't found any yet where neighbors have done so. I seem to recall until this time that if I were about to get a no further action letter for a site I bought and remediated, I would only have to let the owner of that current property, which was usually me, uh, <laughs> and I already knew, of course. But now you're saying adjacent properties need to know that remediation is happening or that an, a no further action letter is about to be issued. When are the neighbors informed? It's when they, the local agency wants to issue a no further action. It's actually kind of a no further action plus because under AB 304, it's a, it's a certification. Mm. Okay. okay. Um, and that's, that's exactly what we're talking about is that the certification by the local agency is that the actions required by the remedial action agreements um, have been accomplished and they have to post that to GeoTrack. Now, as of yesterday, my source at the state water board didn't know of any local agency certifications thus far um, anywhere statewide. Yet, we know of one that was mm -hmm. done by Richard Clark and the mm -hmm. LA County Fire Department back in March to Molina Homes, a client of ours. Mm -hmm. It's available on GeoTrack or your listeners can reach out to me and I, I'll provide you a copy of it. It's a three page letter. Um, this certification went through the state agency review without comment or tinkering mm -hmm. by the state agencies mm -hmm. and was ultimately finalized for Molina Homes. The last paragraph is amazing. Um, first, Richard Clark sets forth the AB 304 required language stating that based upon information provided, this department certifies that the cleanup goals established in the remedial action uh, agreement have been achieved mm -hmm. and that, um, uh, that the known site contamination has been satisfactorily assessed and mitigated for the proposed residential development. So that was a residential project. Mm -hmm. Then, then Richard continues, in light of the current controversy of agency and individual preferences of attenuation factor determinations, this department leans towards what is currently being pursued by Rafat Abbasi and others. We also welcome back old modeling methods in years past. So this comment goes to uh, an issue that's way beyond today's topic to mm -hmm. this large impasse that's happening between DTSC and the water boards on vapor intrusion um, and which attenuation factor um, should be used. But those are kind of the core elements of the new um, AB 304. Well, it, it's what is, there's, I've got a ton of questions, I say as I stammer, but the first one is, um, do you envision that 
this kind of interaction between the local agencies and the state is, is going to prompt the state to possibly start second guessing the local agency's activities? Well, I, there may be some of that, but mm -hmm. that's kind of the point. Mm -hmm. um, and it's too early to tell how aggressively the state agencies will be in their review. But in March, they didn't touch Richard Clark's intended certification for the Molina Homes Pomona set. I see. And then it also, I mean, just at first blush for this uh, single case, I know this is all happening. This is all very new, but it doesn't seem like there was much of a slowdown, was there? Um, there wasn't for that, that site. Um, and in getting to the no further action, you know, NFAs, just for your listeners, we want to make clear that that means a no further action determination where a local agency uh, closes a site. As to slowing down, um, it, it shouldn't delay the local agencies in reviewing reports, et cetera. But to get to closure, it will take time as the law builds in these at least two notice periods. First, there's the built-in delay where they have to notice the, the state agencies that they're that they're going to enter into a remedial action agreement. Uh -huh. um, some actually local agencies are glad for this delay. Uh, as it allows them to fit the site better into their workflow. Mm -hmm. you know, so they kind of take a time out a little bit and they they actually they actually like that. Mm. Um, and developers must now build this this into their schedule. We heard one story about how such a delay seriously impacted construction. Yet the consultants admitted that they should have made the client aware of this earlier. Um, and quote, as long as we let them know next time, it should be fine. And end quote, because it, it it it's a de facto 30 day because that's actually not in the statute, but they've they've kind of they've kind of built in 30 days. And second, there's a built in delay at the certification stage. OK, uh, while the local agencies is ready to close the site, they must give the public and all these other people notice. Um, I seem to recall in closing in prior to AB 304, that when you were about to get the site closure letter, you got a pre-closure letter and there was a notification period that needed to happen anyway. So that doesn't really sound like too much of a delay at the end there. Uh, that's that's probably right. That's probably right. Yeah, so it, it sounds a little like it's flown a little better than I thought, but the thing that's unclear to me has to do with these remediation action agreements. When you, for instance, are first starting uh, an assessment of a site, you don't know what your goals are going to be or contaminants of concern you're going to find or what kind of remediation actions you're going to take. So how can you agree on something, so to speak? Well, the the, the new remedial action agreement right. uh, is not a new state form. The term RAA is just a AB 304 designation for what the local agencies used to call voluntary cleanup agreements or, ah, okay. or similar. I see, okay? I see. And please realize AB 304 almost exclusively deals with voluntary environmental response actions. If one of the state agencies who have more enforcement authority issues a cleanup and abatement order or equivalent, then it's direct control by the state and AB 304 doesn't apply at all. OK, some local agencies have updated their uh, forms in response to 
AB 304, and now request a bit more information at the beginning of the process. I see. Well, this doesn't seem draconian. As I walked in this conversation thinking, oh my gosh, all my sites are going to be delayed months and months, and so far so good, it seems. I will share a couple anecdotes with you and our listeners. The first is um, when I send an email to, I won't mention the name, but a Southern California local agency oversight official, I immediately received a bounce back email that this uh, local agency was too busy with AB 304 paperwork to accept new sites and respond to my inquiry. So that was a little daunting. I don't know if that's still happening. That was, uh, I think there were some major local oversight AB 304 deadlines a few months back. And I was at a conference in June, second anecdote, and I was talking to another Southern California local agency official. And she felt that it added to her workload and that she was having sort of a, there was big brother and uh, overlooking her work and she's imminently qualified. So I can see why she had that, but hopefully all, all these kinds of uh, speed bumps are just things happening as the program's rolling out. Well, um, with respect to um, uh, part of that, mm-hmm. um, there, Will it respect? Will it impact responsible parties and, and cause some delays? Uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's now some additional layers there. Um, but on the other hand, under the prior regime, uh, there were situations where gaps between the locals and state caused sites to literally get lost in a void. For example, mm-hmm. if a local agency Um, must deal with a regional groundwater issue before they can grant closure for soil or vapor. It may just sit in limbo for years. Literally, I have one such site, okay? But under AB 304, uh, the structure is enhanced to uh, uh, allow communication between the agencies. Interestingly, I've now learned that the state agencies or local are having quarterly roundtable meetings to discuss mm. AB 304 and even do some training. Um, everyone I spoke to uh, found that these roundtables were valuable and productive. One local agency went so far as to describe these roundtables as essential because DTSC and the regional board don't agree on certain things. And... Um, and, and this was an excellent vehicle to push for agreement, for example, mm-hmm. for intrusion. As yeah. the local agency manager concluded, after all, we have to listen to one of the two. And what are we supposed to do when they disagree on the applicable standard? Well, that's that leads into my next question. So when this remediation action agreement come in, comes into play, is the state agency... Uh, i.e. the water board, the regional board, or the GTSC selected at that time? Or does the local agency official have to get concurrence from both agencies for a site? So the way it works is it is is an opt-in by the state agencies as to whether, number one, they want to become the oversight agency. And that's existed under other laws, too. and that's the notice of the intent to, to, you know, to for the local to sign into 
a new remedial action uh, agreement. I don't see many of the state agencies saying, hey, we want to become the oversight agency for that, that, that site. And, and that, like I said, that happens in other environmental laws currently. And the state almost never jumps in and says, yeah, we're going to take it over. Okay, so I don't think that's kind of an issue that has added any complexity or, or delay um, or second guessing. The, the second one is the is the intent to issue this certification. Now that one, I think that's real. The state agencies, the DTSC or the regional board have the ability to weigh in and say, no, 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 we think you ought to have done this. And that's the underlying impetus for the entire AB 304, which is some more consistency uh, as to um, uh, closure statewide. And we'll have to see the one that we know about. There was no input, no additional second guessing, but we'll have to see. Well, yes, there's going to be a lot of things we're going to learn in the coming months about this. Are, do you envision that because of AB 304, some of these agencies may need to increase manpower? Uh, that's that's a good question. You know, generally at the state level, it's difficult uh, to get additional staff given the hoops that they have to go through. However, um, the state board last year got budget to increase 21 new positions in their nine regional boards. That's and they've fantastic. been, and they've been these, sorry. And they've been filling those, um, which should help facilitate uh, handling of some AB tasks. Yet, as DTSE relayed, the vast majority of 304 burdens falls on the local agencies. Mm. And DTSC is just absorbing the marginal additional work into his existing resources. One of the local agencies um, has hired a, a, a individual person to help handle the AB 403 workload and um, particularly the, the geo tracker burdens. So there, there is some manpower up, up, updating and, and up, <laughs> uh, upgrading. Well, I think you, you bring up GeoTracker, and that's a great point. Um, GeoTracker is such an incredible tool. We're one of the few states that have something like that. And of course, it's DTSC analogous site EnviroStore. And just to hear that there's going to be a greater percentage of sites that have GeoTracker data uploaded is fantastic. So kudos to our regulatory structure for doing that. Um, yeah, I, I think forcing locals to upload to GeoTrackers universally acknowledged to be one of the positive aspects of, of the new AB 304. Um, and I'm, I'm going to oh, were you going to say something? No, it, there's been some logistics uh, hassles uh, switching over and uploading that. But again, that should be a temporary um, uh, burden, which should be overcome hopefully by year end. I think that also the geotracker uploading would just be a task that the uh, mandate of the consultants working for the voluntary uh, cleanup agreement uh, as part of the remediation action agreement. Correct. That's exactly right. And then, you know, since we're uh, just a slight digression, but whenever there's talk of adding programs, I always get on my soapbox and say, why don't we do what other states do, at least a half a dozen others? and consider a licensed site remediation program whereby consultants are actually reviewing reports and streamlining the closure process. And there's a certification process. Have you ever heard of uh, four you know, activities such as AB 304, new programs, or just trying to streamline report reviews 
and any of our agencies that, that they're amenable to some sort of con contract support? Uh, actually, apparently yeah. there have been some internal discussions about doing just that in California. Wow. New Jersey has such a program, but there are some concerns there about you know, quality control and undue influence. But uh, I will tell you that as a result of doing this research, uh, I have personally offered to provide input to the state agencies on creating a test program to outsource uh, such work. And we'll see if we'll see if I've been taken up on my offer uh, moving forward. Well, sign me up for that too. Uh, um, and we can talk offline. I have researched licensed site remediation programs in other states and have some contacts. So uh, maybe this podcast will help bring about something new within our state and local agencies. Who knows? Exciting stuff. There you go. Is there anything about, else about AB 304 that you've observed or you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, there, there were some, some case kind of studies and examples that were relayed to me. Uh, for example, um, one consultant mentioned that the, the, their local agency that they were dealing with was, quote, befuddled and <laughs> about what they really needed to submit to the state to get this, uh, you know, sign off before they could issue the certification. Um, so so once they once they get down the path on that, I, I think they'll they'll understand. And there is this guidance document. And, um, uh, you know, so that that's that's helpful. And then there's also a, there's also a personal observation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, virtually no medicine takes effect instantly. It, it takes time to work. And I believe in the long run, this is a this is a positive step. And in, in some of the logistical um, logistical uh, bumps in the road that are, are happening with respect to uploads and all that kind of stuff. I think those should be, you know, those should be resolved, hopefully, like I said, by year end. And there are some very positives about the increased um, uh, communication between the, the locals and the state. Well, anything that can increase standardization of uh, approaches and thoughts on final closure limits, I think is very positive for investors and consultants and responsible parties alike. And I think, AB 304 is just an example of how a little known regulatory action can have a major impact on brownfield redevelopment. Why it's just so important to keep the hand on the pulse of what's going on among our state agencies. And in closing, I, I'd like to thank John Van Vleer of Newmeyer and Dillian. I always forget that second eye when saying your, saying your firm name. So thank you for teaching uh, our listeners something new and we're certainly going to share John's phone number and email on the Winefield and Associates website. Do you want to share your contact information here? So as they're driving, they can know it. Sure. My, uh, uh, my, my direct line, uh, which I give everyone, is actually a 949-271-7127. And email is easy, which is um, john.vanvleer at ndlflaw, short for newmeyerdillianlaw.com. Well, this has been fantastic, John. I appreciate you participating. I know you're extremely busy and uh, you taught me something new and I'm sure you taught our listeners something new and uh, have a wonderful day. And again, much appreciated. Thanks a lot, Matt. Bye-bye, John.